The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, One does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to him, All these I shall give to you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this, Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. As we're still in the beginning days of Lent, this is, I would imagine, exactly the Gospel passage that we would expect to read as we're going into the season of Lent. Jesus is in the desert 40 days and 40 nights. We, we uh, observe the season of Lent for more or less 40 days and 40 nights, depending on how you're counting. Um, but, and so we, we expect to hear this gospel passage, and it's certainly good for us to hear at the beginning of, of the season because it, it gives focus to what we're doing as we observe the season of Lent. Um, but it, ta- it also takes some reflection, some, some work to, to see exactly what's at, what's at play here. Because so this this takes place especially uh, this takes place in the Gospel of Matthew right after Jesus' baptism in the Jordan when he's uh, he's marked out as God's anointed King as the Messiah as the one who has come to deliver his people Israel and he's been uh, he's been recognized as God's beloved Son in whom he's well pleased and this is this takes place immediately after that as something that it seems that Jesus. In his senses in himself and uh, and being led by the Spirit, he realizes he has to do before he embarks on his public ministry, and so we hear that he fasted for forty days and for forty nights, and afterwards he was hungry. Something of an understatement there, I would imagine. Forty days and forty nights without food. I imagine most of us on Ash Wednesday were hungry at the end of the day, and so this is this is it. It seems like something of an understatement, but it's it's to point out that, in fact, Jesus was doing this work. He was doing this work of fasting in the desert in preparation for what we see on display in the gospel, this, this combat, the, this, uh, this confrontation with the devil, with the Satan, with the accuser, with the one who stands behind all of the darkness that we see around about in the world and that we see has been, has been so from the very first pages of the Bible, from the book of Genesis. It's the serpent who's whispering lies into the ears of Adam and Eve that leads them astray and leads them to rebel against God. 
And now Jesus, we see, is in a similar situation. He's, he's confronting the devil, and he's tempted. He's been marked out as God's anointed king. He knows that that means he's going to be at the head of his people and that he's going to lead his people to salvation. But here Satan comes along and offers these ways of uh, deviating from the path. And these, these things in and of themselves, well, at least the first one doesn't seem all that far outside of what we would imagine as, um, it, we wouldn't imagine that wanting bread when you're hungry is a bad thing. This is, he's offering this show of power to, to Jesus as one of the ways to perhaps implement God's rule by, uh, or to live out his vocation, or rather to go off the path of his vocation. And Jesus says, no, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. And so at each, at each turn, at each temptation, Jesus is not trusting in his own intelligence, so to speak, but he turns back and he, he is faithful to God and he uses what he knows God's revealed word to be. He uses that to, to combat the temptation because he knows that being God in himself and being God's anointed king. He knows that God's word means good, good news, it means salvation, and it means healing and restoration for, for all of humanity. And so he's not going to turn away from the path that his father has marked out for him. And so we have at the end of it that Jesus has, through, through this confrontation with the devil in the desert, Jesus is able to win the victory he wins the victory over the enemy, not just his enemy, but our enemy as well. He has won the victory in something of a decisive way already so that he's able to launch into his ministry and start to bring people back from the darkness that has overcome the world and bring restoration and healing to all those that he ministers to. But he does this by doing nothing other than keeping his eyes firmly fixed on the vocation that he has from his father, his vocation to be faithful to God and to bring his salvation, his light, his truth to everyone and to not deviate from the path. It, it, Jesus' vocation is nothing, nothing other than loving, trusting obedience to his Father. And that means a life of outpouring of himself. It means living life totally for others without any, any sense of self-concern. And so he's able to, fixing himself firmly, rooting himself firmly in the promises of his father, he's able to reject the, any number of these temptations that Satan places before him that are going to distract him from his mission to bring salvation to his people by announcing God's kingdom. And he's not going to settle for anything less. He's not going to settle for something second rate. All these things that Satan proposes to Jesus, while they seem to be uh, short-term solutions, shortcuts, or, or alternatives to what God is proposing, all of them are second-rate. All of them fall short of the restoration of the life that God has in store through Jesus for all of humanity. And Jesus is not willing to settle for second-best. He's not ready to settle for anything less than what God wants to do through him. And yet it requires the work of self-denial. It requires this, this work of fasting. And it's through this that we can look to Jesus and we can realize that 
as we embark on this journey of Lent, as we embark on this season, on this observance of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving in imitation of our Master, in imitation of our Lord and, and Savior, we realize that it is going to be work. It is going to be difficult for us to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow after him because it's easy enough for our own desires to lead us astray because our own desires can seem perfectly reasonable to us. How many of you had the thought on Ash Wednesday? I certainly had it myself. You know, why do I have to do this? Because I can, it doesn't make sense. I, I should be able to eat. But of course, it's the idea that my desires, and I've experienced this through, li through, uh, through life and through day-to-day -day, uh, day -day challenges, that my own will is going to draw me away from service of God, and it's going to draw me into self-concern. It's going to draw me into concern about myself to the expense of others, whereas we see in Jesus already, in what he's doing here, that his self-denial is for the sake of others. And so we embrace these practices, not because we want to, not because we're uh, so gung-ho about penance in and of itself as something that's good in, it, in and of itself, but it teaches us that we're, that we're able to, it teaches us how to deny ourselves and to look past ourselves and look to concern for the other. But of course, it requires God's help because we're not able to, we realize as we embrace these, as we embark on these practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, that we're going to fall short, that we're going to want to embrace the comforts that we're used to, and that we're going to want to live our lives as, as we've lived them thus far, and we're going to want to simply be able to go our own way because we've grown accustomed to it. But we trust that because Jesus has won the victory, because Jesus has done the work, that he has done the battle, he has, he has won the combat, that we don't have to win the victory. He's already won the victory. He's won the victory in the desert, he's won the victory on the cross, and he's won the victory through the resurrection. We don't live as if, we don't live through this season of Lent as if suddenly the Paschal mystery hasn't happened. We still benefit, even in this season of Lent, commemorating this time in preparation for the Paschal mystery, we still benefit from, from Jesus' victory over sin and death. And that victory has been breathed into us through our baptism. Much like Jesus' baptism at our baptism, we have been called beloved sons and daughters of God. We have been called to his way of life, the life that is true life, the life that is not anything second rate that is, that's drawn away by any of the number of worldly pleasures that draw us away from God. But this is true life. This is life lived to, its, to the fullest. It's the life that God has marked out for each and every one of us. And this is what we've received in baptism. It's been breathed into us through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And so trusting in God's power and his grace, breathing in his love and his mercy, even as we go through this penitential season. It's that that is going to sustain us. It's the love of God that we see on display in this gospel passage, the, the life that is not concerned for self, but concerned with total self-gift. It's that life that we've received. And it's through that that we're able to share in the victory and that we're able to like our Lord, like our 
like our master Jesus, like our king, he is going to, he, we can follow after him and we can undertake these works of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and we can share in the victory as we try and extend God's reign through our lives, through the vocation that we've been given to be beloved sons and daughters of God, we're able to extend his victory. And since Jesus has won the victory, it's ours simply to share in it. And it's ours simply to be energized by it and to extend it as we go through the season of Lent, trusting that Jesus is going to sustain us with his body and blood and that he's going to, through us, let the light that has broken forth through him shine forth and bring life and restoration to everyone that we encounter.